Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. for the next hour we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it want all your ideas all your opinions and all your beliefs of course as always you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion if you have an opinion number to call 646-727-3070 that's 646 727-3070 you can listen to the show blog talkradio.com slash pecan send messages to the show on Twitter at Go For Again. And while you're there, at Go For Again, give me a follow. G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, make sure you hit up the website, goforagainsports.com. Great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by Cleveland Browns corner, Jamar Taylor. Jamar's got a football camp coming up there. Tomorrow out there in La Mesa, California. So we're going to talk to him about that. Talk to him about the Brown season, their off season. Then what's next for the Cleveland Browns? Also, expect you to be joined by Rider University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Going to get his take on some of the things going on in free agency, which is a lot. A lot of things going on in the NBA. I mean, it's just a good time for the National Basketball Association. The attention that the league is getting is, it's been amazing. But anyway, so we're going to talk about CP3, the Rockets. We'll, we'll talk that, you know, obviously we'll talk about Phil Jackson. Talk about a bunch of things. And, you know, we're going to talk about a bunch of free agency things, and that's going to be fun. But let's get right down to it. We got the biggest move that was made, uh, that was yesterday, two days ago where you had uh, the Rockets and the Clippers make a deal that would send CP3, Chris Paul, to the Rockets for seven players. And obviously at this point, I think from a Clippers standpoint, you're starting over. I mean, you, you sh- that should be your thought process. I know maybe they're thinking about trying to get Blake and re-signing Blake Griffin. But but I, re- I feel like at this point, if you're the Los Angeles Clippers, it's time to break this thing down to build it back up. It's time to move forward now because at the end of the day, you did what you can. You, you took Lob City all the way to the end. You, you took Lob City as far as you could take it. Obviously, you ran into some bad breaks along the way. Obviously, you ran into some bad situations along the way. I mean, if you're the Clippers, what? You had that game or game six against the Rockets a couple of years ago. Where you know you're one game away from going to the NBA final, NBA, excuse me, the Western Conference Finals. So you're one game away from going to the Western Conference Finals, and you lose a game where you were up 20 in your own building to the Houston Rockets. So you had an opportunity to close the series out in your building, and you were up 20, and you don't get it done. Those type of situations are hard to come back from. 
you can't come back from those type of situations. You just can't do it. And so when you have an opportunity to close a basketball team out, and that's what they had, an opportunity to close it out, up 20, up 20, and then after being up 20, you still lose a game in your building when you could have closed it out. And I look at that, and it's just like those type of things you can't come back from. You can't come back from situations like, you know, your big guys going down. I mean, this year it was Blake Griffin who went down in that first round. Last year it was Blake and CP3 who went down in the first round. So you had injuries. So you had injuries. You just had some bad luck. You had some bad luck. But good teams make their own luck and, and they make that luck right. Make that luck go the way they want that luck to go. But the Clippers at this point, I believe they're in rebuild mode. They're really strictly in rebuild mode, I think. I mean, you could try to bring back Blake Griffin, throw a whole bunch of money at him, but for what? You're not good enough at this point. You lost your best player in CP3. Chris Paul was your best player, and now you don't have his services anymore. So what are you doing? It's irrelevant at this point in time. Why do you need at this point in time to to do anything? Because it's done. It's done. It really is. And so it's just a done deal. Move forward. You can't bring Blake Griffin back. Let him go. See if you can get some kind of sign and trade or, or something. See if you can get some something for something. I mean, see what you can do. But at this point, it's a moot point. It's useless to have Blake Griffin. Useless at this point. I mean, and quite frankly, you know, sometimes we have to be forced to to do certain things. And let's be honest, the Clippers were not in any position to win an NBA title. I don't. I mean, if they brought back the whole band, Blake, CP3, to go along with DeAndre Jordan, it wouldn't be enough. It would not have been enough for this ball club, the LA Clippers, to win an NBA title. It wasn't enough for you to surpass the Golden State Warriors. It wasn't enough for you to even pass the San Antonio Spurs. It wasn't enough. And quite frankly, the last two seasons. It hasn't been enough to get you out of the first round. Now, you could argue injuries had issues, you know, was a big part of that. But it wasn't good enough to get you out of the first round. It wasn't. So it made no sense to bring the band back. It, it, it made no sense to keep Lob City. Lob City had its opportunities, its chances, and Lob City found a way to ruin or at least mess up those opportunities and chances. You know, the, the series against OKC where you had the, you, know, you had the game in hand and, and you blow it there. You know, obviously the Houston Rockets, that's, that's, that's the most egregious because you're up three games to two in your building, up 20, closeout game, 
opportunity to go to the Western Conference Finals, and you went to bed, quite frankly. You're up 20 in that game, and you went to bed. You went to bed. And the thing is, I look at CP3, you're the best point guard and one of the best point guards in this league. You couldn't give me two, three possessions to stem the tie? You're the point guard. And I'm not knocking CP3, still one of the best point guards in this game. But when he had a moment, an opportunity, a chance to stem the tide, he couldn't do it. And again, last two seasons, CP3 and Blake Hurt last year, Blake Hurt this year. Can you trust these guys? So the Clippers at this point need to move forward. You can blame Doc Rivers all you want for for the failures of the Clippers. And, And maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Who knows? But and that's understandable to blame Doc Rivers. But I will say this, and and Doc Rivers, you know, there are reports out there that part of CP3's issue with Doc Rivers was the treatment of Austin Rivers. And and here's the thing: when you when you, when you bring your son on, and why it's probably not the best move or the best idea, because you bring your son on, two things happen, I believe. You're either too hard on them or you're too soft on them. And if you're too soft on them, people are going to recognize that. They're going to see t- treatment, you know, different treatment. Like, hey, you treat this guy this way and you treat me this way. Why are you treating that way? Because that's your son? A- and I think you see that. And, and I think even if it might not be true, e- even if Doc wasn't favoring uh, Austin Rivers, perception is reality. So if a player or two or three start to perceive that Doc is treating that player different than everybody else, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a situation. And that's what happened, man. And, again, this is all Doc denies it, and it's all reported. But Doc denies it. And um, so who knows? And also there was talk that, hey, Doc wouldn't put on – well, Doc wouldn't pull the trigger on a mellow trade to bring Carmelo Anthony to the Clippers and a deal that may have included, included, excuse me, Austin Rivers. And so, first and foremost, I thought it was, uh, I thought Melo to the Clippers made perfect sense. I, I didn't understand why you would not do that deal if you had an opportunity to do that deal. I, I don't know why you don't do it. I don't, I, maybe I'm, I don't know why you don't do it. But they didn't do it. And again, it's, it's all legit. You know, it's all reported. It's all speculation at this point. Doc denies it, you know, and obviously Chris Paul hasn't come out and said anything. So so he said, she said in terms of the report, you know, Michael Eaves of ESPN saying those things. And so it's Michael Eaves against Michael Eaves' word or what Michael Eaves reported versus what Doc Rivers is saying. And who do you believe? Who knows? Usually when there's smoke, there tends to be a level of fire. Not all the time, but it does be the it does it is the case that sometimes. So I mean, I don't know, I don't know, but I do know this: CP3 is in Houston, and the Clippers need to rebuild. And, and CP3 in Houston now, you know, obviously the Houston Rockets gave up a lot. I mean, you know, not stars, but you give up a Patrick Beverly, give up a Lou Williams. You know, a couple guys who contributed to your ball club last year, but you're the you know Rockets now, and you know you're in the process of trying to fill out your roster at this point. Fill it out, figure out who's going to be what, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. 
You know, there are talks that maybe there's a possibility they could get their hands on Paul George. There are talks that maybe they could get their hands on possibly Melo, Carmelo Anthony. So this team obviously is not done. This team, the way it's presently constructed, probably won't stay that way. Probably won't stay that way. But obviously they got to they gotta fill out that roster a little bit and find some guys to fill that roster out. And CP3 and, and James Harden, obviously on the surface, big-time backcourt. You know, one of the best shooting slash point guards in the game and James Harden. And obviously one of the better point guards in the game and Chris Paul. No doubt about it. Can't deny it. But you wonder, I, I look at James Harden last year, and he was unleashed. He, he was unleashed. I mean, he, he, he just – he ran that point guard like he ran that point guard the way you know uh, he ran that he ran the Mike Tony Mike D'Antoni excuse me system better than Steve Nash did. He ran that system better than Steve Nash. I mean the numbers that he put up he put up points he put up assists he just dominated the ball game in many different ways. He dominated the ball game in many different ways. He was unleashed twenty nine and eleven. That's unleashed. That's big time. That's huge. That's playing some big time basketball and getting it done. Now, again, we see James Harden at the shooting guard position, and we see James Harden have a lot of success. Been MVP, MVP candidate the past few seasons, so we've seen it. But I will say this: I will say this. It seemed like the Rockets were flowing, moving, and grooving with James Harden at the point guard spot, and you have to ask yourself, do you want to you want to change that? Do you want to switch that? Do you want to something different with that? I mean, it seemed like it had a good, you know, it seemed like a good situation. But you would also argue, hey, down the stretch there, James Harden in that game, uh, was that game six against the Spurs, where he had that awful performance. He looked dead dog tired. So, I mean, there's all different ways to look at that particular situation. I don't know. But obviously, you can't argue or be mad when you get a CP3 and a James Harden in the same backcourt. That that's something that's exciting. That's something that could really be big time, and that's something that ultimately, with a few pieces here and a few pieces there, could take the Rockets well, probably to the Western Conference Finals. And in terms of beating the Golden State Warriors, not yet. You need a little bit more, and we'll say again: free agency starts. Tonight, well, tomorrow, 12-01, Saturday. So after that, you know, it's going to be hot and heavy, and they're going to figure out where guys are going to go. So we, well, it should be fun. It should be fun. It's been a lot of fun over these past few weeks with the rumors and all the stuff that's going on, and it should be a lot of fun moving forward. We're going to bring in a guy now, Jamar Taylor, Cleveland Browns. Um, Jamar's got a big event coming up this weekend in La Mesa, California. So he's got a big event coming up, uh, football camp, first annual football camp. And, and maybe this will be the start of many great things going on with Jamar Taylor and football camps out in the California area. Let's bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Corner for the Cleveland Browns, Jamar Taylor. Jamar, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How, about, how are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me. Now, Jamar, last season, you established yourself as a solid corner in the NFL. 
started 14 games, had three picks, and ultimately you had a decent year at Cleveland. It didn't start out well for you in Miami in terms of your career, but ultimately in Cleveland, it worked out well for you. What made you better in Cleveland than in Miami? Um, I think just, you know, Coach Hugh, you know, and those guys just allowing me to be me. Um, you know, they they didn't worry about every little thing or, you know, if, if I turn my head left or right, they just, as long as I was going to get the job done and, you know, be a technician, um, you know, and I was doing the right things to make sure I was prepared for the game, um, then they were okay with it. You know what I mean? So I think just the biggest thing was just, you know, they had confidence in me, um, from the start, you know what I mean? And I really didn't change anything. You know, I've always been a hungry guy. I always worked hard. I've always been a big film junkie and, you know, uh, try to put my best foot forward. But I think the biggest difference is just my coaches believing in me. For sure. Did the scheme have anything to do with it? No. No, I mean, we okay. ran. That, you know, the NFL is a, is a copycat league. So, right. you know, it's, it's most times you get teams that run the same stuff. So it was all the same things. Um you know, I just felt, you know, I mean, I think just experience-wise, I kind of, you know, kind of went through some up and downs that I kind of learned from. And then, like I said, the same thing, just my coach is just believing in me. Um, you know, I never doubted myself that, you know, I couldn't get the job done. You know, I always knew I could. You know, um, I got strong faith in God, you know what I mean? So I, I knew that part was going to take care of itself. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, the biggest difference was, you know, my head coach, you know, looking me in my eyes like, you know, I need you to get it done, get it done. And, you know, I had to respond, and, you know, him believing in me just, I think, kind of just changed everything. In December, obviously, like you said, your coaches had faith in you. So in December, they decided to give you some money, three-year extension, $15 million. What did it feel like when you signed that deal? I mean, it's a blessing, but I'm not I'm not, uh, I'm not satisfied. You know, I still got things I want to do in this league. You know, I want, I want to be – uh, known as, you know, a top five corner in this league, if not number one, um, you know what I mean? So I still got things to prove, you know what I mean? Uh, so that contract, you know, I think it was his show, you know what I mean, uh, that with hard work and, uh, you know, faith that, you know, anything is possible at the same time, you know, I'm keeping my eyes on the prize as far as getting where I want to go um, in, this, in this league here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the grind for it. So, you know, I'm like I said, I'm in a blessed situation, but at the same time, uh, you know, not so much of the money aspect, really hungry for that, but just, hungry, you know what I mean, to get my name out there and, and to be looked at as, you know, uh, one of the top corners in this league. How close are you, do you think, from, from being the top corner in this league? I think close. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think some a lot of stuff comes with popularity. You know, of course, um, I think, you know, that's a big thing in this NFL uh, thing. You know I mean? Not saying the guys that's up there, you know, they all prove themselves. You know, Sherman, Pat Pete. um, you know, Brent Grimes, guys like that. I mean, they've, they've proved it every week. But um, I think I'm close, man. I think, you know, I've made strides from my rookie year to now. You know what I mean? As long as I keep on chopping at the wood, uh, you know, eventually it's going to break. So uh, I'm just keeping my head down. I'm going to keep working. You know what I mean? And, you know, we'll see how it ends up. What's the first thing you did with that new money? Uh, I bought my mom a car. Uh, I told her, you know, my rookie contract, just because how stuff was going in Miami. I was going to put that one up, you know what I mean, to make sure that mm-hmm. I was safe. Um, and then soon when I got uh, my extension, I bought her a car, bought my little brother a car, and I just put the rest up, man, you know, because, you know, I've been at the bottom of the league where it almost chewed me up and spit me out. So, right. you know, I got to make sure, you know I mean, my family is straight, you know what I mean, as far as, you know, make sure we're good and, you know, we don't have to really change the way we live and things like that, you know, when it's all said and done. What kind of cars did you buy? 
Uh, my mom always wanted a BMW, so I got her that. And my little brother, he wanted like a Tacoma truck. Okay. So I got him that. You know, what I mean, they, they they didn't want nothing crazy. Uh, you know, thank you know, I, I got a real humble family, so um, you know that that made it easy for me to just like you know, I appreciate you guys. Here you go. You know, I still gotta get my dad something, so he'll be coming up here probably around Christmas time. You know what I mean? But I gotta handle business first. You know what <laughs> I mean? Before I could just let it all out there like that. For sure. We're talking to Browns corner, Jamar Taylor. So let me ask you this. Second-round pick with the Dolphins in 2013. And I know you talked about your confidence and, you know, your faith in God and, you know, keeping you believing that you can do what you need to do in the National Football League. But at times, did you feel like maybe you were a bust? And, and at times when you heard that word floating around there, did that bother you a little bit? Uh, I mean, I never thought I was a bust. You know, I look at it like a lot of people who – who talk and who write, they never played it down to football in their life. So, uh, you know, like for me, uh, I really just kind of tune that out, um, you know, and I just don't believe in it really. I mean, I, I look at, you know, I'm, a, I'm I, like, I love football. I've been playing this game since I was five, so I understand it, you know what I mean? And I look at guys, maybe it's just not the right scheme or, you know, guys are asked to do something different than they, they've been doing their whole life or things like that. So maybe it don't work out for them or, you know, I'm not talking about myself, but just other guys. So, um, you know, it sucked to kind of hear it, but at the same time, I, you know, my mom and my dad always reminded me of my wife. It's like, man, these a lot of people don't even play, you know what I mean? So who cares? You know what I mean? And I had guys like Corlin Finnegan and Brent Grimes who was like, man, JT, you, you're a baller. You know what I'm saying? Don't let nobody else ever tell you different. You know what I mean? Just keep on, you know, jumping at the bit. All right. Ever. So for me, you know what I mean? It was, it was hard, you know, obviously watching guys play, you know, trying to, trying to make my way in and, you know, it worked out how it worked out. But at the same time, when you have bets, you know, who play, you know what I mean, and kind of tell you, you know what I mean, that you're a good player, then I think that kind of just solidified it for me. And what are times in Miami where you're kind of like saying to yourself, I'm kind of better than that guy, kind of better than this guy? Oh, yeah, that's the competitive nature. You know, I right. mean, I, I mean, shoot, you know, some, somebody could be, you know, uh, kicking a soccer ball, and I'd be like, man, I kick soccer ball better than him. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, just, that's just me. You know, I think that's – you know, if you're not competitive in this league, then you're not going to make it long, you know what I mean? So, you know, from, from the first day I got in, I was like, you know, hey, I'm better than this guy. I need to be playing. Or, you know, and then maybe the coaches thought otherwise, or maybe I had things to learn, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? But, it, you know, at the end of the day, the cream always rises to the top. So, you know, like I said, it ain't changing for me, man. Like, I'm, I'm just grinding and, you know, enjoying it and, you know what I mean, and, uh, you know, ready for this upcoming season. We're talking to Browns corner, Jamar Taylor. So, we look at 2016, you know, good year for you. You got your money. You played some good football. But as a team, it was a struggle. 1-15. What's it like to be 1-15? Um, well, you know, it's never fun. You know, no, <laughs> I don't think, you know, we all work, we all work too hard to go 1-15. But I know, you know, one reason I signed back with Cleveland, you know, not only Coach Hugh, but the guys in that locker room, like, if you would have came to a practice, you know, and we were 1-16, and 16, you wouldn't have been able to tell because every guy came to work, every black guy worked hard, every guy watched film, you know, everybody was all in, you know, it just, you know, the cards were falling into our favor, whether we were up, you know, and then, then gave the lead away or, you know, some games started worse than others, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely not, not a good feeling, you know what I mean? I think everybody at the end of the season was like, man, you know, looked at yourself in the mirror, like, what can we do different? Because we have the coaches, you know, it was like, but as players, we need to do better, you know what I mean, if that's staying a little longer or asking more questions, you know what I mean, to figure out the scheme-wise or whatever the case may be, so 
um, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't fun, but you know the good thing is that's in the past. Nobody even cares. You know right. we're looking forward to this season. You know we got we got a new D coordinator on our defense. He brought in some new people on offense, man. So you know we're all excited um, in Cleveland. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of guys are just ready to get to work. Were there times during that season where you didn't think you were going to win at least one game? Uh, I mean, not for me. Okay. Um, I can't speak for you know the other you know what I mean fifty two guys. Um, but I know for me, man. You know, I always try to just worry about what I can worry about, control what I can control. And one thing I can control is, you know, what 2-1 is doing. And that's, you know, taking care of my body. That was breaking down, you know, the uh, the opponent's offense, you know what I mean, breaking down the receivers and concepts and stuff like that to make sure that I was prepared. So one guy, you know, Miles Garrett now, number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Guy has amazing size, amazing speed. I mean, you saw him up close. What's he look like? Mm-hmm. He looks great. I mean, you know, he's young, but but he looks good. You know, uh, can't wait to see what he what he's like once these preseason games start rolling around. You know, it's easy to uh, you know to judge with no. I mean, it's, it's easy. You know, what I mean to to look good with no pads on, but you know, what I mean, we'll see. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm kind of guy like I like to see it on tape. You know, what I mean, so uh, but right now, I mean, he's he's you know a, a human specimen. I mean, he's, he's crazy big, crazy fast. You know, he gets off the ball good. So, you know, a guy like me at corner, I'm looking forward to it. Were you, you know, were you a little nervous when you saw him go down there? No. Tough. He's okay. a tough kid, man. You talk to him. He's, he's a tough kid. He's a great competitor. You know, he wants to learn. So just kind of just, you know, talking to him the past couple of weeks or before, you know, he went down, uh, you kind of tell that he, he's hungry to be great. So, you know, when he kind of went down, it was kind of, you know, when everybody kind of looked like, man, come on, get up. <laughs> you know what I mean? He got up. You know what I mean? He got up. You know what I mean? And he got good. And you, you know, seen him later. I'm like, good. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm great. I'll be, I'll be all right. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, he's a competitor. Though. I can't wait to see him on the field. Though he's definitely going to be, um, you know, a difference maker. Well, we look at your defense last season. A lot of struggles, obviously. You brought some new guys in here. Greg Williams is a new guy, obviously. Miles Garrett. I mean, so you brought some new guys in, and so overall. Do you feel like you'll be better on defense this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think our defense was way off last year. I think, you know, we got some guys back, you know, Dez, Brian. We got, you know, Miles Garrett back. You know, we added some pieces, you know what I mean? And then a guy like Greg, you know, who's so who's been coaching in this league for a long time, who has so much knowledge. I think as a young team, that's kind of what we needed. You know, he's, he's burning a little bit bigger fire than we were last year, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, he expects greatness, and I think, you know, we, we, need, we needed that, you know what I mean? We needed that push, you know, but only time would tell. So, you know I mean? A, a lot of work still needs to be put in, so we're not going to jump the gun right now. But, um, you know, if we work hard and we bring it every day, you know what I mean, then it's even a, you know, turn around how we want it to. For sure. Are the playoffs a possibility? Playoffs is always a possibility. It's NFL. <laughs> For sure. For sure. A- anything is possible. We have seen teams – you know, make turnarounds in, in less than a year. So, I mean, anything is truly possible. We're talking to Browns corner, Jamar Taylor. So, Jamar, you got a big weekend coming up out there in La Mesa, California, your first annual football camp, you know, on Saturday. Talk about what you got going on there. Ah, uh, man, so we're just doing – we're doing a camp, man, for the kids. You know, uh, I know usually Reggie comes back, man, uh, back to, you know, the hometown and give a little camp. But that's it. Everybody else kind of just, you know, the Marcus Allens, the Alex Smiths, a lot of guys really don't, you know, come back. So, you know, I wanted to kind of 
put on something as well. I know my friend Tony Jefferson is putting on something, I think, next week. You know what I mean? But we wanted to put on something that was just free for the kids, um, you know, all ages. I think we're going from the age of 8 all the way to 18. So we have uh, two uh, separate segments, uh, little kids in the morning, high school uh, at noon. Um, it's going to be free food, free drinks, uh, free barbecue. You know, everything's free. It's going to be good time. You know, come out, learn from me and uh, a lot of my NFL partners, you know what I mean, with some of my college teammates. Um, you know, guys around the league, and you know, it's, it's going to be a, a good, fun time weekend. Um, you know, everybody enjoying each other. You know, what I mean, uh, it's the first one. You know, we looking to add on to it, but you know, just to give back to our community, man, because we we never really get it out there. And like you said, everything is free, so you, I mean, you can't everything. beat that at all. So, who are you expecting to be there? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's like me, um, Tony Jefferson. Uh, you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood. You have Damian Williams, running back from Miami, uh, another San Diego guy. Um, my friend Jimmy Pruitt, I don't think he's on the team anymore, but he played for New Orleans, went to San Jose, uh, went to my high school. Uh, Darian Thompson went to Boise State with me. Uh, Asa Jackson. Uh, who else? We got uh, Christian Kirksky, all right, my, uh, my, my linebacker for the Browns. All right, we got Keith Smith, the fullback for Dallas. So, I mean, we got some guys, man. It's, it's going to be a good time. For sure. So where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with this upcoming weekend? Uh, they could just go to my website. It's just jamartaylor.com. Um, or they could, you know, go to Instagram, you know, just type in my name. It's on there. Um, I don't do Twitter. You know, Facebook It's on Facebook as well. So everything is made public, you know what I mean, so fans and, you know, people around the neighborhood, whoever wants to come. Should you be out of town, in town, doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, we're going to have a DJ every day. It's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I fly out actually in a couple hours. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting home and getting things rolling and, you know, seeing the kids and a whole bunch of old faces and everything else. Is this going to be the first of many? Uh, we'll see. You know, if, I, if God continues to bless me, you know what I mean, and, and I keep on balling and I keep on stacking Stacking up my account for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I think I got to be able to do it, you know what I mean, before I can do it. So, um, you know, but if not, if, if it goes good, though, Saturday, um, non-jokingly, if it goes good Saturday, you know, then for sure we'll come back next week. And, you know, long after when I'm done, we'll just continue to just kind of do this thing, man, because I think it's important to give back, you know, not only to communities, but my community, you know what I mean, Southeast San Diego did so much for me as I grew up and, you know, my high school did so much for me. Uh, when I was a young pup in high school, so it's going to be big. Were you a Chargers fan growing up? Never. No way. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, the Chargers weren't good. Okay. Um, you know, and then my dad was a Pittsburgh fan, so I was a Ravens fan, which is crazy because I ended up in Cleveland, and now I can't stand either team. <laughs> so, fans, oh, yeah. make sure you go to the website, jamartaylor.com. That's jamartaylor.com. So you can go there, you can register, and again, it is free. Again, Saturday, July 1, out there in La Mesa, California. Make sure you get out there. And again, for more information, jamartaylor.com. Jamar, absolute pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. All right, thanks, my man. I appreciate you having me. Take care. You too. Jamar Taylor, 
corner for the Cleveland Browns. Again, he has a big event coming up tomorrow, July 1st, out there in La Mesa, California. Go to the website, jamartaylor.com. Going to bring in another guy now. NBA free agency is upon us. The draft is over. Free agency is here. 12.01, Saturday morning. We'll find out. Well, not necessarily find out, but we'll see who goes where. We'll see who's rumored to go where. I mean, some people are going to sign and some people are going to wait it out, but it's going to be fast, furious, hot, and heavy, and I can't wait. We're going to bring in a guy now talk about it. Riding University assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. Marlon. Paul, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Can't complain. Uh, before we start, man, I just want to apologize for last week again. Uh, <laughs> you know, love coming on with you guys, man. So my apologies for missing last week. This stuff happens, man. Life happens. All good. So <laughs> let's get right down to it. I mean, first and foremost, biggest move to this point, CP3 goes from the Clippers to the Houston Rockets, seven players for CP3. So, obviously, if you're the Clippers, you're rebuild mode, I would think, at this point. And if you're the Rockets, you're going for the gusto. How do you view Harden CP3 in Houston? Well, the first thing, I, I didn't know we did seven for one deals. This looks like Herschel Walker to the uh, <laughs> Vikings for, for seven guys. Uh, but if, if you're the Clippers, if I'm DeAndre Jordan, I'm upset because it, there's a guy in Chris Paul who pretty much held you hostage years ago in your in your apartment or in your house, excuse me, to re-sign with the Clippers and now – he's no longer there. So, you know, if I'm him, if I'm Doc Rivers, if I'm the Clippers organization in general, you know, I'm a little PO'd uh, from the Rockets standpoint. You know, I'm not sure if it makes a lot of sense just because, you know, James Harden had a great year, MVP-like year at the point guard position, and now you bring in a point guard and almost move him back to the two. So it, it, it'll be interesting uh, to, to see how this unfolds for, for both teams. Uh, you know, now that does Blake Griffin leave, you know, uh, if if he does, OKC could be a destination. But, you know, they just gave a lot of money to Victor Oladipo and uh, the big fella Adams last year. So right. h- how does that work out? So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how these first couple of days unfold. Most definitely. And I and, – um... Obviously, if you're the Houston Rockets, I would think that you're not done. But whatever, you know, obviously, the way they're presently constructed, I mean, and and it's going to change, obviously. But if they don't get a Paul George or a Carmelo Anthony, how do you view this Houston situation? Where do they rank in terms of trying to knock off the Golden State Warriors? I don't think they have it. But your thoughts? Well, like you said, it's still puts them at number two, maybe number three, but still not better than the Warriors. Uh, the, the way the Warriors are constructed, that, that's a team that can win the next three, four titles in a row uh, if, if they want to. Uh, obviously, you know, the numbers w- would have to work, and I know Kevin Durant's talking about taking a pay cut. 
Uh, but, you know, the first thing that they have to do, they, they have to re-sign Andre Iguodala, which I don't think they will do uh, because he's a guy that's going to ask for his money and, and it's rightfully deserved. And then you still got to try to re-sign Sean Livingston, which I think they will do. But, um, you know, you start with those two guys and then you try to get things going. But I, I think the Rockets are still one player or two behind the Warriors right now. Definitely. I, I, I would agree with that. And, and again, like we said, there's still some free – obviously, this free agency hasn't started yet, but it's right here. It's upon us. It's tomorrow. And so we'll see what they can do moving forward to fill out that roster so they can compete with a Golden State. So good news for you. I mean, you're a lifelong Knicks fan. Um, so you got some good news this week. Phil Jackson let go by the New York Knicks. It was about time. I mean, obviously, it was a mess in New York City whether he's tweeting negative things about Carmelo Anthony, whether he's talking about guys not showing up to exit interviews and, you know, talking about trading a 21-year-old 7-3 stud who can shoot a three, who can run the floor. I mean, just some of the moves that he had in his head just didn't make sense. Your thoughts to the end of Phil Jackson in New York? Phil, good riddance. Please don't come (laughs) back. We don't want you back. We don't need you back. Uh, (laughs) I, I was ecstatic, you know, when I woke up uh, the other morning and I had maybe about seven text messages saying, did, did you hear the news? And, you know, I, I was worried, you know, when you, you get text messages saying, did you hear the news? And you have no idea what the hell everybody's talking about. And then you turn your television on and it says breaking news, Nixon, Phil Jackson, Park Ways. Paul, I, I'll be honest, if I was 24 and could do cartwheels, well, at 24, I couldn't do cartwheels either. But uh, if I could, I, I would have that day, for sure. <laughs> and I think a lot of people in New York City would have done the same if they could. I mean, for sure. It just seemed like Phil Jackson did not want the job. I mean, he didn't. This seemed like he was interested. Uh, you know what? I, I don't necessarily think he didn't want the job. I, I don't think he understood what the job entailed. Uh, you know, today's front office guys, they're a lot younger than they were, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So, you know, the the, the landscape of the game has changed where you have to go out and work. You have to go out and, and travel. You know, things are no longer done just by an office phone. You know, you have to get out there and, and, and hit the pavement and make things happen. And he just wasn't willing to do that. You know, you hear of, you know, him falling asleep at a couple workouts and things of that nature. It, it, it's just not the way that a GM should run a team. So, you know, he's probably in a little bit over his head. But at the same time, if somebody's giving you X amount of millions of dollars and you can just sit in an office and kick your feet up, you'd probably do it too. So, you know, I, I respect him for being smart to take the money and, you know, not ruffle any feathers. Sure. I mean, I think if anybody was offered five years, $60 million, I mean, they would try to make, you know, they would try to do the job themselves. I mean, it's just, I think anybody in their right mind wouldn't turn down that type of money. Even if you knew you couldn't do it right, you still would take that type of money. So, Legacy-wise, to me, it does nothing to his legacy. Phil Jackson's still one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. Does it do anything for you in terms of his legacy? 
No, not not at all. You know, from a general manager standpoint, no one will care. You know, we still look at Phil Jackson as one of the top three coaches of all time in the game, and it'll stay that way. You know, I think uh, this trip down general manager lane will be forgotten about, you know, in the next couple of days when the Knicks bring in a new general manager. Who do you want? I mean, there's talk of David Griffin. I mean, who do you want in New York City? Well, if it were me, I'm a guy that, you know, you, you got to bring back the guys of the past. And, you know, I, I would love to see a guy like Mark Jackson in some kind of capacity. I, I'd love to see Jeff Van Gundy back in, in some kind of capacity. Uh, but, you know, we don't always get what we want. So, you know, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to a, a David Griffin or, or uh, Masai Jerry in, in Toronto. You know, two guys that, that are proven in, in this line of work uh, have made great impacts for, for their respective teams. And, you know, it's time to get the Knicks out of the gutter. We, we got to get back to being one of the top teams in the NBA. So let's make sure we do this thing right. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. So getting it right now, does getting it right start with trading Carmelo Anthony in your mind or buying him out or however you want to do it? Uh, I'm going to say no. Everybody knows my, my feelings towards Carmelo. I, I, I think he's a great second option now with Porzingis. So I don't think so. I think you start with, with Porzingis and then obviously take Carmelo as your number two option. And I know there was uh, talk of Jeff T coming, but that might be a little far-fetched with this uh, Ricky Rubio trade today. So, you know, let's see, see what happens. I, I am a big fan of the young man they drafted, Frank, uh, last week. I know a lot of people will fight me on that one, but I'm a big fan of his. So, you know. We'll see what happens. I don't think Derrick Rose will be back, but got to start somewhere and, you know, let's get the right GM in here and get some guys that will help us turn this thing around. So you were okay with taking Frank. I'm not even going to try his last name. You were okay with taking Frank over <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr.? Uh, I, I, I was not, and, and clearly I'm a big Dennis Smith fan for my own personal reasons. Uh, Sports Center top ten play in December. If you haven't seen it, go check it out uh, against our team. But you know, and I, I can't pronounce Frank's last name either, so I'm just gonna call him Frank N. But I, I'm a big Frank fan. You know, I, I think he's coming from a proven track record overseas with his uh, ball club. Obviously, he's been playing professionally since he was 15 years old. And he's played against grown men over there, and that speaks volume as well. So I think him coming to the NBA and getting his feet wet with the Knicks would be great. We'll just call him Frank the Frenchman. <laughs> we'll take it from there. I mean. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with that. As long as he doesn't get dunked on in the Olympics, because, you know, <laughs> these French players that the Knicks draft, they're known for getting dunked on, man. So hopefully <laughs> that doesn't happen to him. For sure. So, obviously now, again, a lot to be talked about in terms of free agency. We, we, didn't get you in, we didn't get your thoughts on the draft last week. We're going to do that real quick. 
So in, in terms of the NBA draft, was, was there any team that stood out to you in terms of uh, some of the moves made? Uh, I, I like what the Lakers did. Uh, obviously taking Lonzo Ball was big, but, you know, getting Josh Hart from Utah in, in a trade was big as well. And, and the reason why I say that is Josh Hart's a winner. Here's a guy that's had to work for everything that he's got. He's not necessarily – doesn't necessarily have a position in, in the NBA. But, you know, you you can't measure toughness. And, and nowadays, today's game is predicated on – on toughness and, and, you know, he's played at the highest level, uh, competed at the highest level, competed against the best guys. And he's always come out on top. So I, I, I like what, uh, the Lakers did. I mean, obviously what Minnesota did getting Jimmy Butler was big and then getting Justin Patton as well. A lot of people didn't know Justin Patton, you know, obviously he redshirted his freshman year at, at Creighton and then, Finally had a breakout year. This year was a Big East Rookie of the Year. I thought it was a little bit of a toss-up between him and Shamari Pond of St. John's. But, you know, a seven-footer that can put the ball on the floor, can make a 15-foot shot, can play with his back to the basket, and you don't need him right away because you still got Towns, you still got Jang, uh, you still got uh, Adrian Payne. You know, it's a lot of guys that they still have that you can bring Justin Patton along slowly and, and try to contend for a playoff spot now. So I, I like what Minnesota did as well. Should I mean, you look at Minnesota, you know, you've got a Carl Anthony Towns, you know, talk about Minnesota and, and their big three, if you will, Wiggins, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler. Is that a playoff team at this point? It, it should be. I don't see why not, uh, you know, and, and especially if they do end up getting Jeff Teague, like, like being – what's being reported earlier today, but you figured Jeff T, Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who I think this year, you know, I, I hate to admit this, but he could probably be the best big man in the game this upcoming year. There's no reason why they shouldn't be in the top six, you know, seven and eight, seven spots, to eight spots are great, but that's a team that should be in the top six from a talent standpoint. And so it just going back to that, in terms of big threes, I mean, we tend to throw that out there kind of a little too fast, kind of a little too quick, and we've just been giving it to everybody. I mean, I think as a whole, we kind of need to, you know, pull back on calling certain things and certain players, well, certain groups of players, a big three. I mean, you got to do something, I think, to become a big three. Well, I say this, man, and I thought about this the other day. But what about our big three, man? Myself, you, and Streets. In that video room, that, that was a hell of a big three that we That's had for, for ESPN. That was a big three, but uh, you know, I, I think just the the big three title is just so blown out of proportion. You know, it, it they were big threes in the past, were big threes in the eighties, big threes in the nineties, big threes in the early two thousand. So for us to talk about a big three now, I think we just blow it out of proportion way too much. It's always been around, but. Now, obviously, with social media and, and the way the game is looked at, you know, things are magnified a little more. But it, it's it's a little ridiculous, if you ask me. It's kind of watered down. You, you know what I mean? It's definitely watered down. Like Boston, you know, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, that was a big three. Miami, that was a big three. LeBron, you know, Bosh and, and, and D-Wade. But now, you know, just throwing out these random guys, 
coming together and they're automatically a big three. Like Blake, CP3, and DeAndre Jordan was not a big three. I mean, they no, ain't enough to become a big three. What was not? I, I agree. So I mean, you know my you know my take on Blake Griffin. So I agree. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: If you're the Clippers at this point, obviously they're they're going in a totally different direction. Obviously, I mean, Lob City is over. The, the, the all the good times in Clipperland is over. I mean, do you bring back Blake Griffin if you're the Clippers? I say no. But your thoughts on that? No, I, I see what you can get for him. I, obviously, you know. There's nowhere left for them to go uh, upwards. You know that, that those days are over. Obviously, letting Chris go to Houston, you know, signifies that. Um, yes, yeah, so I think the next step is see what you can get from Blake Griffin, and let's not forget, you know, Blake Griffin is still injury prone. You know, so how he holds up next season, if you can get something of significant value for him, you got to do it. Definitely. I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and one, one more thing. You're a coach, and obviously there have been reports, you know, that maybe the situation with Austin Rivers and Doc Rivers, you know, there was talk that maybe Doc was treating Austin, you know, differently than their, you know, than the other players. Also talks that Doc would not pull the trigger on a Carmelo Anthony trade that included Austin Rivers. You being a coach. Would you take your son and would, would you have your son on your team? For me personally, I wouldn't do it from the standpoint of like this. No matter, either going to be too hard on him or you could be too soft on him and you could get one or two guys saying, hey, you're, you're treating this guy this way and you're treating us this way. And you might not be doing it, but perception is reality. So from my standpoint, I would probably not do it, but your thoughts on it. Uh, you you know what I, I would probably agree with you. I, I don't think I, I would. I mean, one, it, it would be hard for me to coach my son on an everyday basis because either it's going to go either way. Either I'm going to be too hard on him, or I'm going to be lax, and I'm not going to be able to please the other twelve guys on my team. So there's and there's always going to be chatter. There's always going to be whispers about that. So I thought when Austin Rivers first got to the Clippers that that was going to be a problem. You know, we heard, you know, how he was as a teammate at Duke. Uh, you know, we heard about him coming up through high school. You know, I, I don't know Austin Rivers uh, in that kind of light. I can only go off what I've heard. Um, so you knew that that was going to be an issue. But what you did hope for, was maybe that you had some veterans in the locker room that could bypass that. But clearly that wasn't, you know, guys got caught up in their feelings a little bit and rightfully so, you know, I, I get it. I get both sides of it. You know, I, I get the players side of it of saying doc had favoritism, but then again, at the same time, I, I get doc's standpoint as well that, Hey, this is my son. I, I got to make sure he's got a job because I don't want him coming back home to live with me. <laughs> We were talking to Ryan University assistant basketball coach Marley Gill. Before we get out of here, one more thing. You talked about Carmelo Anthony, and you want him as a Knicks fan to stay in New York. End of the day, if he doesn't stay in New York, what would be the best situation for him? I think it would be Cleveland, but for to you, 
in your opinion, what would be the best situation for Melo? This will sound crazy. If it wasn't New York, the best situation for Melo would be the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. Because now you're looking at him being maybe a third option, which isn't necessarily bad because he he can still fit their kind of system, the, the way they play. Uh, they can get out in transition, and, and he can spot up at the three. You can play him in the post and, and bring LaMarcus, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, excuse me, have him step out and make 15- to 17-foot jump shots. Or you can flip-flop both of those guys in, in either position and, and play through them. And, you know, just the way the Spurs culture is, guys just automatically buy in. And, you know, that's probably the one thing that has hurt Carmelo in his career the the buy-in, you know, yeah, he bought in at, at Syracuse, but, you know, like I've said on your show before, he had guys like Jerry McNamara and uh, Hakeem Wark and Quet Duaney that he kind of had to fall in line with those guys. It, even in, in Denver, when they were having success, he had mm-hmm. to fall in line with the Chauncey Phillips, the Kenyon Martins, and guys like that. And then the one year where the Knicks really had success, you had Jason Kidd here. So, you know, I, I think the Spurs would be a great fit for him uh, if, if he were to leave. How about Paul George? Paul George. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Paul George has not been the same since game one of the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2000. I want to say that was 2014 when LeBron hit that layup for them to win that game one. So, with him, it's still a little different. I, one thing about Los Angeles, man, if you're from there, there's no place like it. So, and at the end of the day, I see him going back to the to the Lakers, going back home. There's no way to go around it. Uh, I've heard, obviously, the Boston talks. We've heard the Miami talks. But if, if you're a person from Los Angeles, it's just different. You know, the vibe that you have with your city is just different. So I don't see anything changing with him going anywhere else but to the Lakers. I mean, you look at Lonzo Ball. He didn't want to go anywhere but Los Angeles. And For sure. If you left, left it up to Paul Pierce, he would have been a Laker a lot sooner than being a Clipper if he could. And so – and it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens during this – during this, you know, these next few days, obviously, and it could change the course of the league. And everybody's shooting for Golden State. Everybody's making all their moves, trying to beat the Golden State Warriors. At the end of that, at this present point in time, is there any team that can beat the Golden State Warriors? I'll say this: I'm never going to go against LeBron James. If you put the right guys around LeBron James, and I know people will say, well, he was supposed to have the right guys around him this past season. Darren Williams is just like me. We can't do cartwheels anymore. You know, mm-hmm. Shannon Fry is in the same boat as me. We we can't do cartwheels anymore. Cal Corver, same thing. So if you put the right guys around him, the right young guys, I, I think, the Cavs can still contend with the Warriors, but after that, it's probably a toss-up. For sure. It, it should be interesting. 
what Cleveland does to try to fortify themselves to to make a run at the Golden State Warriors. Should be interesting to see what every team does at this point. And, and it's exciting. This is an exciting time for the NBA. They had the NBA awards and everything. That was exciting. You got obviously the NBA finals were were okay. It wasn't what we wanted, but it wasn't awful. And then you also now you have free agency. So this is a good time to be the NBA. And I think they're doing a very good job putting themselves out there and, and helping with the popularity of the game. So this is a good time. This is going to be exciting. I can't wait, man. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Should be a lot of fun. Appreciate it, man. No, definitely. All right, as always, thanks for having me. Take care. Riding University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. As we talk, NBA. One guy who could possibly affect what happens to the Golden State Warriors moving forward is Andre Iguodala. You got a situation now with Andre Iguodala, a, a guy that obviously is a big part of what the San Antonio Spurs, not the San Antonio Spurs, the Golden State Warriors do. I mean, you look at it. I mean, what? Two years ago, he won the finals MVP. And he's a guy, obviously, that defends. He's a guy that obviously does a lot of different things solid passer, athletic, get out on the break, run out there on the break as a gazelle. You know, still, he, he does what he does. And I remember Andre Iguodala in Philadelphia. And the biggest issue, the biggest problem that we had with Iguodala in Philly was, you know, he was making all that money. And we expected a star, a superstar. Andre Iguodala is not a superstar, but Andre Iguodala can do a lot of different things and brings a lot of different things to the table. You look at his average, 13 points per game, his career average, five rebounds a game, four assists a game, 1.6 steals a game. That's a do-it-all type of guy. You know, score a little bit, not a lot. Rebound a little bit, not a lot. Sister basketball a little bit, not a lot. You know, and he's a solid defender. He's always been a solid defender throughout the course of his career. So Andre Iguodala is a glue-type guy, and Golden State may lose him in free agency. Also, Sean Livingston is another guy they could lose. They could lose him too. So there's a lot of pieces and a lot of guys that the Golden State Warriors could lose. Two, I just named two who, who could – affect how Golden State moves moving forward and could bridge the gap a little bit. You got reports out here that other teams are trying to go after, you know, the Iguodalas and the Livingstons of the world to try to deplete. Lose those two guys, it does affect it. It does affect what the Warriors do. We'll see what happens, man. This is going to be fun. Based off of what we're seeing, based off of what we're hearing, this is going to be a lot of fun. And everybody's making moves, trying to position themselves to beat the Golden State Warriors. Will they and can they do enough? We shall see. I want to thank Jamar Taylor for stopping by. Go to jamartaylor.com. Also want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on Twitter at go for it Hit us up at the website, go for it as we continue to talk sports and have fun doing it. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a happy and a safe 4th of July. We won't be here next week. We'll be back 
July the 17th. So make sure you stick and come and listen and watch and all that good stuff. Actually, it won't be July 17th. July 14th, we'll be back. July 14th, we'll be back. So enjoy the 4th. See you later. Take care.